This is Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, exclusively on the Bun 2.0, KBUNFM 104.5. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors is sponsored by DS Beverages, Paul Bunyan Country's distributor of Anheuser-Busch and Budweiser, by Northern Surplus Northern Outdoors in downtown Bemidji, Bond and Lock and Key, your home for Liberty Gun Safes, and Pine Ridge Service. Well, today on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, we talked with Craig Engwall. He is the executive director of the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association. We've Craig, we've been talking deer quite a bit over the course of the winter and the last couple of years as uh, we've revealed uh, or, or implemented a new plan on the DNR level. And, of course, uh, we've been watching chronic wasting disease, and uh, we got more bad news this fall or this winter about that. Uh, what's the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association's thoughts uh, regarding CWD in general and uh, the discovery of the crow-winged deer? Well, CWD has been... It's been around, actually, since the late 60s, but it's really um, come to attention since about 2002 when Wisconsin had the first significant finding of CWD in the Midwest, and uh, it spread in Wisconsin significantly, and one of the things that we want to do here is try to avoid what's happened there. Um, There have been, in southeast Minnesota now, we have 40 to 50 positive deer uh, with CWD. We had the crow wing deer that you mentioned, but the key that we think is to go after it aggressively, which Wisconsin didn't do, and they're paying the price for that now. So we support DNR's efforts to really aggressively try to attack CWD on the ground. For those who maybe are not aware, what has happened in Wisconsin? Well, they they took a pretty passive approach, so they did not cull a lot of the deer in the area. So, and, and again, with CWD, it's a combination. Their their game farms or captive servants is what they call them. Uh, farms that have had the disease, and then there's disease that spread to the wild herd. And there's a lot of controversy about farms and um, and where where does this disease come from? It's now in both, but. There is a big concern about those captive operations, and there's still in Wisconsin nine operations that have been CWD positive um, that are operating, and the concern from those of us who are trying to protect the wild deer is what those farms are doing in terms of spreading the disease. So just to illustrate, Wisconsin has 72 counties, and now uh, they are deemed to have 55 CWD-affected counties, meaning there's been a CWD case within 10 miles of that county at least. Wow. And we we don't want to do that because we don't want people to be discouraged from hunting, and we want the deer herd to thrive and be healthy. Are we seeing any actual physical or numbers effects in Wisconsin at this point? We will. I tell you, a striking number is in the core area, and that's kind of near Madison, and it's in Dane and Iowa County in Wisconsin. But in that core area, now they, they've done studies, and of the four-and-a-half-year-old male bucks harvested last fall, 50% of them have CWD, and of the year-and-a-half-year-olds, even 20% have CWD, and that's, those are striking numbers, and that's what we absolutely want to try to avoid here. Um, so if, if you get that high prevalence, you really do put the herd at threat, and you also threaten hunters wanting to participate. And that's one of the things that we're pushing for, too, is funding to develop a quick field test so that people can have confidence in the deer they harvest. Right. Um, Do we know, like, how many years on average uh, a deer loses in life because of CWD? 
Uh, that's hard to measure it that way, but they die at a much higher prevalence um, okay. and, and more quickly. So the disease can be, they can live with the disease for a couple of years, and that's a bad thing, actually, because they are shedding those prions, which are the proteins that carry the, that really are the infectious agent. Um, and so a deer can look completely healthy and have CWD and be spreading it, and but it, it, it will take a couple of years before they get um disoriented and skinny and, and just waste away. Um, so it's, but they, they have done studies where a deer with CWD is 75% more likely to die within a year than a healthy deer without it. So okay. it, it, it weakens them so they might die from some other cause. Um, sure. So it's just, it's, it's bad all the way around, no doubt about it. So a winter with a lot of snow like this one where the deer probably expends a lot more energy than normal might be an issue. Well, it will. a deer with CWD will die, I guess you'd say, quicker. Yeah. Um, but you just don't want any CWD-positive deer in the landscape right. because yeah. then they're spreading the disease. So, um, yeah, and that's why states are going after deer where they know it exists aggressively to try to reduce the amount of spread of the prion. Do we do we have anything on paper yet from the DNR on what their, what their plan is going to be here? They do have a plan, and I encourage, and actually they just revised their CWD response plan, and that is on their website, and it's at um, mndnr.gov, and I think it's slash CWD. You can find it pretty easily. But they updated that uh, just in the last, they released it about a week ago, and uh, it talks about the measures they take under different scenarios. One is when you have one deer like crow wing now, um, and that is to go after it aggressively and, and try to monitor and see what's there. But then there are other scenarios laid out if you cannot contain it um, or if it's an endemic area, how they would respond. So that's it's really good information. I'd encourage people to look at that. Um, it's too hard to describe it all in a short interview, but uh, <laughs> they do have that plan out there. Well, in the, uh, the at this point... Last time I, I talked with, uh, I think, Lou at the DNR, there is no evidence that CWD has an effect on humans. So those who might be concerned about that, we, we, we don't have any evidence of that to this point. That's correct. In the, but the health advisories, both in Canada and here in the U.S., they recommend that people not eat CWD-positive meat. Um, and that's why I think developing a quick test is important. There are studies going on now with monkeys and different things um, to test to see if this could jump um, to humans. But to date, nothing has, uh, there's been no evidence of it jumping. But, I mean, I'll be straight, I would not, I would not eat a deer that was CWD positive. And if I were hunting in an area that has a lot of CWD prevalence, like Wisconsin, I would certainly test my deer. And that's available. People can test their deer now. So what in particular is the uh, MDHA going to do in regards to the CWD? Well, we issued a press release, and then we've been at the Capitol um, having some key position points, um, and, and many of these deal with uh, the captive servant farming industry as well. Um, but first of all, we support DNR being aggressive in their approach when CWD rises on the landscape, and two, we support the governor's funding request for over $4.5 million to help fight CWD. Then on the regulatory side, we we do believe that the captive servant farms should be double-fenced. That's not a requirement now. 
Um, we do believe that they should have to depopulate their herd if they have a positive, which is not the case now. They only need to quarantine. Uh, we believe there should be a moratorium on new farms and the potential for a voluntary buyout of existing farms because we do think they threaten the wild deer herd. Okay. What What is it about uh, those types of operations concerns you about what they do to the wild deer? Well, it's just the history has shown um, they're a, a very significant source of CWD. So, um, and if CWD can be spread from muzzle to muzzle contact, and um, if you have an operation that's positive and they're wild deer that can brush up against the captive deer or the escapes, there are, in some years are more than 100 escapes from the farms. It's, it's spreading that disease. And, and I want to be clear, not all farms, we're not saying all farms have disease and there are many good operators, but because farms get tested whenever they have an animal die or they, they butcher an animal, process an animal, we know when it's there. And so in Minnesota, there have been eight there have been farms in eight different counties that have CWD, and so they are clearly a vector of the disease. More of the great outdoors with Kev Jackson next on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors, sponsored by Pine Ridge Service, DS Beverages, Bonded Lock and Key, and Northern Surplus Northern Outdoors. Check us out at kbunsportsradio.com. Click on Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. We're also on Facebook and Twitter, and you can subscribe to the podcast on Podcast One and iTunes. My guest today is Craig Engwall. He's the Executive Director of the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association. Let's talk a little bit more broadly about the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association. Uh, first of all, let's look at the history. How long has it been around? started in 1980, as, and we, we still are a grassroots organization. We're based in Grand Rapids. Uh, we have about 20,000 members and 60 chapters across the state, and uh, we really focus on three main core things. One is habitat protection. We've uh, either raised or partnered on projects in our history of over $43 million in habitat. Uh, we have our youth education component, which is our four-corn camps, where kids from 11 to 17 can go to week-long camps. And we typically have nearly 1,000 kids who go through that every year. And then we work on policy issues and advocating for deer and deer hunters, just like we're talking about the CWD matter. We're at the Capitol, or we might be in uh, D.C. I've gone out to Washington a couple times to work on the wolf delisting issue. Um, so, yeah, we view ourselves as the voice of the hunter, and we're doing good work on the ground as well. Beyond uh, CWD right now, what are some of the things uh, the MDHA is working on? I'd say it's our habitat projects. There's, uh, in, uh, in terms of policy issues, there's not a lot of uh, other issues that are really burning now. Um, two years ago, the DNR wanted to raise the deer license fee from 30 to $34, and we conditioned our support on that, that they shift more money to the deer management account, which they've agreed to do, and so that hopefully will be signed into law after this session. That's one of the policy issues. But on the habitat issues, we're active with projects with Lassard Sam's Council. Um, we have one of the projects that we're very proud of is our Jack Pine Forest project where we, we acquired 
about 2,200 acres of potlatch forest land that was being converted into uh, potato fields in Hubbard and Cass County. So we, we went out and got the grant, we acquired the land, and then we turned it over to the county land departments to manage in their forestry uh, programs. And those lands are now open to the public for hunting and other recreation, and they're protected, and they're protecting water resources too. So we do a lot of cool stuff like that. And then our probably what a lot of people are familiar with with MDHA is our Hides for Habitat program because they very well may drop their hides off in one of our orange boxes that are all across the state at gas stations and various places. And that program alone, so it's totally voluntary. It's hunters dropping off their hides. We've we've received over 900,000 hides and raised almost $5.5 million just from hunters donating hides. And we turn that right into habitat on the ground here in Minnesota. Wow. Um that's that's pretty. That's a lot of hides. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's a lot of work. I mean, you think the volunteers who sort them and uh, salt them and do different things, and then we what happens is then we sell them to hide buyers, and that's how we make the money to uh, put into habitat. Tell me a little bit more about uh, your youth camps and and how a youth can get involved with those. Well, the youth camps are three different levels: um, four corn one, two, and three. They're week long, and they have a curriculum based on the age of the participant, but you can get your hunter certificates. You can you learn about archery, you learn about biology, you learn about um, camping outdoor activities, just a whole gamut of things. And I'd, I'd say one of the best ways for people to learn more about that would be to look on our website at mndeerhunters.com, and there is information on our education program. Or they can just call us uh, here in the office uh, at one 800 Four five zero deer, okay. and we can we can get uh, information about it. But it's it's a just a great opportunity for kids to learn basic outdoor um, facts and or just how to camp and do different things and lots of skills. Um, where where are these camps at? There's seven around Minnesota. Um, for example, there's Laurentian up in the Arrowhead and Long Lake by in Aiken County, and but there's seven of them kind of geographically spread around the state. Okay, um, t- talk. Let's talk about youth for a little bit. I know one of the big concerns, and I talked to DNR folks quite a bit and some national folks too. A lot of concern about uh, numbers going down in fishing and in hunting, and uh, I, I know we're seeing that in Minnesota as well. What are your thoughts? Uh, absolutely, it's a concern um, for many reasons. One, I mean, of course, it's a great tradition, and we want people outdoors. Uh, but there's a real practical side to it too: is that people don't realize that the DNR Fish and Wildlife Division is funded basically completely by uh, hunter and angler fees. And as you reduce that, there's less work that they can do. Um, and if we if we lose hunters and anglers, we're losing our influence in the legislature, too. So we need those folks who are in St. Paul and in Washington to know what we're about and the importance of hunting and angling. I mean, our dollars are doing so much on the ground for wildlife, and there's so many benefits to non-game wildlife and other things that people don't realize, and that's by the contribution of hunters and anglers. So it's it's a difficult time we need to try to do anything we can and there's a program called um R3 which stands for recruitment retention and reactivation um just to try to get people engaged but we are right now it's an aging group 
um, and we have to figure out a way to reach out to younger people. And that can be archery in the schools. We have to look at the success of trap shooting, what they're doing, and see if we can tie that into broader interests such as hunting or organizations like ours. So we're, for instance, a platinum sponsor at the state high school trap shoot meet where they have uh, thousands of participants and, and tens of thousands of visitors. You know, one of the things where I'm seeing growth that I think is real exciting is is with women in hunting. Um, that seems to be one area where there has been some real trackable growth. Absolutely, and that's statistically shown. It's it's the one area that is growing, and uh, we think it's wonderful. Um, we're doing what we can to foster that. We have, in fact, some of our mentors who do mentored hunts um, are women who are going out and in mentoring other female hunters, and uh, we've had great success with that, but we're always looking for more mentors who want to teach uh, young... Well, it's not just young uh, men and women, but it's you have adults now who are interested in taking it up for the first time, and they might be in their 30s because they want... It can be because they want natural food or whatever the motivation might be, but we need mentors to help people uh, have have the opportunity to hunt because really if you think about it if you if you're in your 20s or 30s and you have no uh, experience in it it's not very easy to break in so we've got to make it we've got to do things to make it a better opportunity for those people to have to be out in the field absolutely um so we've talked about cwd we've talked about hunting numbers uh Anything else out there that that concerns you and the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association at this point? I think it's just people being active. I mean, everybody seems so busy now, and take time and enjoy the outdoors. And that's, you know, for many of us, I I certainly don't get a deer every year, but that time I spend in the woods is very precious time. And um, I think getting getting our kids outdoors is one of the best things we can do because um, it's a real issue with all the turmoil in the world and all the uh, smartphones and everything just to take the time to get out and enjoy nature and uh, really want to focus on getting more younger people involved and uh, getting them to enjoy this tradition that I've my, my grandpa and dad passed down to me and that's the way many of the deer camps around here are it's a, a wonderful family tradition we want to keep it going I, I do a lot of fishing interviews, and, you know, every now and then we do a kind of a year-end, the health of the fishery, and, and let me throw that one out to you. It's not a fishery, but the health of the habitat, the health of the deer numbers in the state, uh, minus our CWD concerns overall, what's your view on where deer hunting is in Minnesota? I'd say it's fairly good, and it's, you know, Minnesota's so unique in that we're kind of like four or five different states almost. It did, it. And then I'd say it depends on where you are in the state of the the deer herd. For instance, I live in far northern Itasca County, and we're still trying to bounce back from those two difficult winters in 13-14, where the numbers aren't as high as they were before those difficult winters. But in central Minnesota, there's some areas where there are, I hate to say too many deer, but um, that they're very... They're flourishing. Um, and so habitat is always an issue when you look in the southwest where it's primarily uh, row crop agriculture. There are not a lot of places for deer. So you always can improve. But I would say deer are doing fairly well. Um, we just have to keep doing what we can to help help them. Okay. If somebody wants to get involved with the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association, how do they do that? I would say either check our website at 
mndeerhunters.com or call us at 800-450-DEER. And if they're in Grand Rapids, they can stop by our office. We're just north of town. Um, but, uh, yeah, reaching out to us. Or Facebook, is uh, we're on social media as well. So look us up. Call us. Um, we've, we've got lots of great things going on, and uh, it's a great way to help deer and, and natural resources in Minnesota by joining us. Okay. Um, we've talked about a number of things, but anything new that uh, you, you guys might be unrolling or unveiling in the next year or two? Um, I don't know if I'd say new. We One of the things we've done in this past year that's exciting for us and, and for Chevy Trucks is that they've become an official sponsor of ours, so we have a uh, we have a raffle for Silverado, and, and with that infusion of uh, enthusiasm and money, it lets us do our mission and get our word out more, too. So uh, so working on partnerships to grow the organization is a key thing that we're looking at and just how we can get our message out that uh, by joining the deer hunters, you're helping not only Habitat, but you're, you're helping the voice of deer and deer hunters in Minnesota. You know, all, all our money stays here is one key thing that I would say. We we love our partner other organizations like Ducks Unlimited, Pheasants Forever, et cetera, but they're national, and here you've got an organization, Minnesota, where the money that we raise stays all right here. Before I wrap it up, one, one other question that uh, came to my head here just a, a second ago. Um, there's different takes from different people. Some people want uh, to be able to go out in the woods and get the trophy 30-point buck, the legendary 30-point buck. Other people just want good, healthy deer with a lot of numbers so they have more of an opportunity to catch and harvest a deer because they, they like venison. Uh, does the Deer Hunters Association fall down any way with either of those positions? I, I think what you're referring to a bit is antler point restrictions in some of the, um, in southeast Minnesota, that's, they've had a restriction that a buck has to have four points on a side to be harvested. Our position that was that it's fine if people want to voluntarily do that on their own but we didn't we don't support mandatory APR but that's even come into question with CWD as mature bucks are more are a bigger carrier of CWD so in the areas down there that restriction has been lifted but um, a healthy deer herd is one that um, has multiple age classes and so we you know, if people on their own land want to manage a certain way, that's fine. But uh, we we are not proponents of antler point restrictions uh, in law. Okay. Very good. Greg Engwall is the executive director of the Minnesota Deer Hunters Association, joining us to talk about all things deer in the state of Minnesota. Uh, Craig, we really appreciate your time today. Thanks for the insight. Yeah, and thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. This has been Paul Bunyan Country Outdoors. Hear it exclusively on KBUN-FM 104.5, Thursdays at 1240 and Saturday mornings at 8. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait. What rewards? A do operator skin. Man, I love operator skins. Dual double XP and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. This- Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 23.